I want to talk to you today about being rich in the right way. How can we be rich in the right way? And as we finish this series, um, I want to show you in Luke chapter 12 a story of someone who was not. We're going to discover a man in Luke chapter 12 who was rich in all the wrong ways. And we're going to see what Jesus had to say about him. So it's here in Luke chapter 12, Jesus is speaking. And he tells a story. And he says, the ground of a certain rich man, remember, we're rich. So when the Bible talks about the rich, he's talking to us. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So his business is booming. He's loaded. Everything is going great for this man. Verse 17, it says, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I have too much to store where I ha- and my barns now. What am I going to do with all this stuff? Then verse 18, it says, then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So the problem here is this man he made a significant mistake, and he made the mistake that many of us make. And that mistake is this. He decided that all he had, all the blessings that he had were for him. That everything that came his way, that every dollar that came, that every raise he got, every increase, every promotion, every blessing he had was for him to enjoy. It was all for him. And so when he had surplus, when he had more than enough, he didn't say, who can I go out and find who's hungry? What beggar can I bless? How can I make a difference? What system can I set up to feed the people who don't have anything? He didn't say, how can I use this for the glory of God? He said, how can I find a way to keep it all for me? And Jesus didn't like this man very much. He loved him, but he did not like the way he operated. Check out what Jesus had to say. Verse 20 says, but God said to him, you fool. God forbid that God would ever look at us and say, you fool. God forbid that God would ever look at my schedule, that he would ever look at my bank statement and say, Troy, you fool. God forbid I would ever be in this situation. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. And verse 21 is so important. This is what Jesus said. He says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. That's the phrase I really want to hone in on today, that, that we can be rich towards God. I want you to think about something for a minute and realize this. God wasn't angry with this guy because he was rich. God is an anti-rich people. God loves you. That's good news, right? We're rich and God loves us. In fact, God's given us the wealth. He gave this guy his wealth. God's not against you because you have stuff, because you have money. God's not against you because you can afford to go on vacation. He's not against you because you can afford to have a flat screen TV. He's not against you because you have an iPhone. None of those things are why God, God is not determined, hey, I don't like you because of that. You're a fool because of that. God called this guy a fool not because he was rich, but because he was rich in all the wrong ways. Because he saw riches as something simply for himself and he was not rich towards God. And God said, you fool, your life is going to be demanded from you. The good news is there is a way for us to be rich towards God. And that's what we want to discover today. How can we not be the rich fool? Which, by the way, if you have 
uh, a number of translations that'll put kind of a heading on a section. That's what this is called. This is the parable of the rich fool. God forbid that City Church would be a church of rich fools. God forbid that we would be a congregation of people that God would look at like he looked at this man. There's a way for us to do it better. There's a way for us to be rich towards God, and we're going to discover that today. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, if you've been here, you should already pretty much have these verses etched in stone in your heart. We have been going over them week after week. We're going to do it one more time. It says, command those who are rich in this present world. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. That's all of us, right? We're rich in this present world. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Don't put your hope in money. It will fail you. It will not come through when you need it to. Said, But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That's where our hope belongs. Aren't you glad God wants us to enjoy what he's given us? Aren't you glad God's for us and not against us? That's good news, man. That's great news. It says, command them again. Verse 18, notice Paul didn't say suggest to these rich, rich people. Notice he didn't say this is a good thing to cover if you've got some little extra time in your service next week. He says command them. This is strong. This is intense. This is important. Stress this. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Verse 19, we haven't covered this quite as much. It says in the same way, or in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for this coming age so that they may take hold of that life, which is truly life. Paul seems to suggest the possibility that someone could follow Jesus, that someone could profess Christ, that someone could go to church and yet be so rich and live their life in such a way that their life was actually just counterfeit, that their life was fake, that their life wasn't truly life and so he says command them to do these things to be rich to be generous to be willing to share to be rich in good deeds why because then they're going to take a hold of life that is truly life not fake not counterfeit not plastic not flimsy but real and eternal Paul seems to suggest that it's possible and I believe that if Paul were to stand in front of us today if he were to preach at City Church I believe that he would probably be able to look up in the crowd and say there's probably some people here who are living a life that's counterfeit who are simply being rich towards themselves and not being rich towards God I believe that Paul could probably see that here's what I believe I believe there's more in you than you're currently experiencing I believe that God's got a higher place for you for all of us myself included when it comes to our generosity when it comes to being rich towards God so we're going to one more time say this statement that we've been crafting together over the past few weeks. We've been building from one week to the next. If you'll go ahead and put this on the screen, if you guys will say it with me. Say, God has blessed me. We'll start over. Everybody with me? God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more and do more. And later on today, we're going to add one last little piece on there. We're going to talk about love others more as well. It's going to be our last little chunk of this. But, but man, I've been having you say that week after week because I believe that faith comes by hearing. And we got to, first of all, we got to believe that we're rich. We got to embrace our identity. A couple weeks back in, in our Gideon series, we talked about how identity determines destiny. 
If you, don't, if you see yourself as poor, you're going to try to hold on to everything. We've got to get the right identity. We've got to see ourselves as rich to where God can allow, we can allow God to let things flow through us. So I've been saying it week after week and making you say that you're rich week after week. Why? Because your identity is important. You've got to see yourself the right way. You've got to see yourself the way that God sees you. And I promise when God looks at you, he sees you as rich. So we've got to get that identity down. But then we've been declaring, okay, because we are rich, we're not going to trust in riches. We're going to trust in the one who richly provides. We're going to give more because we have more. And we're going to do more because we have more. And today we're going to talk about how we're going to love more because we have more. I believe there's things that God wants to say to us this morning, specifically to where we are as the body of Christ. Specifically to, to the, those of us in this room. I think he wants to speak life and breathe wisdom and maybe even... Bring a little ouch, maybe, when necessary. So we're going to discover three things that are just going to wrap this whole series up, put, put a nice little bow on it to, to allow us to walk out of here and not just learn some cool ideas, not just learn a new identity, but to walk out this new identity and to put flesh to it, to put action steps to it. I'm going to challenge you to do three things. If you want to be rich towards God, here's the three things we need to do. A couple of these will be to review. One of them will not. Number one, if you want to be rich towards God, you need to know that God wants you to be rich and good deeds. He does. God wants you and he wants me to be rich in good deeds. In fact, if you put it this way, 1 Timothy 6.18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. Pretty black and white. Holy Spirit inspired it. Paul wrote it down, passed it down for generations to us. You and I have been commanded to be rich in good deeds. God wants this from us. Have you noticed how our world, even here in America, as free as we are and as blessed as we are, how our world has become increasingly more hostile to the gospel, even in like the last six months. Have you paid, like the, the world is more and more anti-Christian every day, and not just anti-Christian, but the world is becoming increasingly skeptical of Christians. They're becoming increasingly skeptical about what are our motivations? What do you, who do you guys really think that you are? And the world is just getting a little bit darker all the time, even here in America, even here in the South. But the good news is the, the New Testament was written to people in a culture that was completely hostile to the Word of God, far, far more hostile than the culture that we live in. And so when we read Scripture, we see encouragement and advice and wisdom that was given to people, men and women, long ago, who were in a culture that hated God and hated them. And so it's full of advice for us on what to do when we're in a culture that doesn't love Jesus as our culture is becoming more and more every day. 1 Peter 2.12 is one amazing example of this. Check out what it says here. It says, live such good lives among the pagans. It doesn't say live such good lives segregated away from anybody who doesn't love God. It doesn't say live such good lives in your little Christian bubble where everybody comes together and only people you talk to love Jesus. Live such good lives among the pagans. We're going to start living some lives among the pagans, man. The culture is getting a little more dark. There's going to be some more people moving into your neighborhood who, who may not love Jesus the same way that you do. There's going to be some more people in your school who don't love Jesus the way that you do. There's probably going to be some more people at your workplace who don't love Jesus the way that you do. That's okay. That's not bad news. That's an opportunity. Why? Listen to what he says. He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Being rich in good deeds doesn't bring attention to me. It doesn't bring attention to you. It brings glory 
to God. We're supposed to live in such a way that someone who completely denies the cross of Christ, somebody who views creation differently than we do, somebody who views homosexuality differently than we do, somebody who views every issue you can think of totally opposite of the way that we do, we're supposed to live in such a way that they say, even though you are full of stuff, I can't deny the way you live. You're generous. You want to make a difference. This city's better because you're here. And I don't get why you believe all this stuff. It doesn't make sense to me. And I don't believe it. But I believe you. I can't deny you. We're called to live in such a way that it brings glory to God, even among people who don't think he exists. That's a command for us in a culture that is contrary to the word of God. This is what God has called us to. He's called us to be rich in good deeds. My faith journey has kind of been different than a lot of people. I, my testimony, I don't really have like a one-part testimony where I came to Christ. I came to Christ as a kid and then kind of fell away and kind of came back and kind of fell away and kind of came back. And so I kind of have a, I don't know, like an EKG testimony or something. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the, the first time where God really got a hold of me, man, where I, I just decided, okay, I'm going after Jesus with everything that I have, and I'm going to be a disciple, uh, was in middle school. And it was when I first got into our youth group. And, and the reason that it happened, the guy that discipled me, it wasn't because, man, I just came to service and, man, God just showed up and the spirit moved and everything was amazing, man. The, the guy who really helped me to take those steps towards really committing my life to Jesus, it started with him saying, hey, let's go to the park and throw the football. He reached out to this little nerdy homeschool kid, and I was as nerdy and sheltered as you can be, I promise. And he reached out to me anyway, and he was cool, and he was normal, and I was not. And he said, hey, let's just go to the park and throw a football. And then we'll go to Shakey's afterwards. Shakey's is a little pizza place in Seattle where I grew up. And so he took me and, we, and a couple other guys, and we tossed the football around, and I probably threw like a girl. And, uh, and he took me out to pizza, and we sat down, and we ate, and we hung out. And he did that about four or five times. And that was it. He didn't sit down and say, now let me tell you about the 12 principles of Jesus, and here's the Ten Commandments you need to memorize this. He just, he just loved me. He just got to know me. He just treated me like I was like everybody else, even though I knew I wasn't. And, uh, and he loved on me. And his good deeds were what really opened me up to say, you know what? I want to be like you. I want to have what you have. And the potential inside of you to inspire someone else simply with a good deed is mind-blowing. If we'll simply step out and begin to allow the word of God to come out of us and simply begin to do the things that God has commanded us to do. Every Sunday morning here at City Church, I counted it up this week. You know that one service, we have anywhere between 25 to 30 people that serve every weekend. That, that, that's kind of crazy to me. I mean, our average attendance, especially over the summer, is like 75, 80. So almost half of our church is serving on a given Sunday morning, which is crazy. And that's just on a rotation basis. So you guys are awesome, by the way. Let me just say that. But it, it's amazing to me that of those 25 or 30 people, people are coming in to, to hold a baby and change a diaper of a kid that's not theirs. They're coming in early to, to brew some coffee that somebody else is going to drink. They're coming in early to, to grab an umbrella, run out in the midst of the rain to, to meet a single mom who's struggling to get her three kids in dry. And these people, they come in and they serve and they do these little things and they probably, I, I probably would guess that 90% of you don't realize the impact that you make. 
that 90% of the people who serve, you, you only have just a little bit of a glimpse. In fact, I probably don't even realize the impact that you make, but I would probably believe it's 10 times greater than you do. Because what happens is people come in, and almost every weekend, I'd say probably about 75% of the time, somebody says, you know what, I'm taking a step forward with Jesus this week. I'm making a fresh start with God this week. I'm not going to be the person that I was. Something is, has spoken to me, and i got to be different. And you know what? That doesn't happen because of what's preached back here. Yes, what preach, is preached back here matters. But they've already seen the gospel fleshed out in 20, 25, 30 people before they ever hear the gospel proclaimed. And when you combine the visual gospel with the, the ability to hear the gospel and the truth of the word of God, all of a sudden it comes together. And that's what Peter's talking about. He says, they may not agree with your theology. They may not agree with what's written down in this book that you believe in and I believe in that we know is true. They may not believe that Jesus actually literally died and rose again for their sins, but they can't deny what you do. They can't argue with what they see. And if you'll live your life in such a way that it always points to Jesus, he's going to get glory even in the midst of the culture that hates him. And that's what God's calling us to do. We need to be rich in good deeds. You can do that for others. God can use you to point people towards Jesus. He can do it both in the context here at church. Man, if you're not involved, if you're not serving at City Church, we've got more opportunities. We've got more places. And we'd love to talk to you about those opportunities. I know somebody went up to Melody last week and said, hey, I need to get involved. What can we do? And, and she's helping her figure that out and sort through what her options are. Um, we'd love to have that conversation with you. We'd love to help point you to that. But if you are serving here at City Church already, know that it's not just limited to serving at City Church. God wants us to live our lives out there among the pagans in such a way that people look and see Jesus. God has called us to be rich in good deeds. Secondly, if you want to be rich towards God, God wants you to be rich in generosity. One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 11.25. says that a generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. In fact, uh, we, we took this verse a few years back when I was still uh, specifically youth pastor over the 662, and we got some nice water bottles printed up with the 662 logo on it, and we gave them to all of our 662 leaders based on this verse, said, you know what, you refresh others, you're going to be refreshed. Just kind of a little way to remind them that, hey, you're blessed when you serve. You're blessed when you're generous. You're blessed when you help somebody else. Two and a half years ago when, when we took over the church, um, church, and if you've been around City Church for a long time, you probably know a lot of this, but we were not in the best spot financially. Uh, our bills were bigger than our income kind of situation. And uh, when I took over the church and actually found out what the finances were, because I was just the youth pastor and I was very naive and stupid and didn't realize how bad it was, uh, I, I was pretty freaked out. And, and one of the first things that I noticed was that we weren't giving anything to anybody because we were just trying to survive. Um, and so it's been a long process uh, of becoming a generous church and prioritizing generosity. Uh, but I just want you guys to know a little bit about what happens when you give, because I know a lot of you probably don't know. Here's some of the things that happen when you guys give. City Church right now, we give $250 every month to an organization called ARC. ARC is, in my opinion, the premier church planting organization in the world. They've got a phenomenal system for planting churches. And so we are sending $250 a month, $3,000 a year to help start new churches. But the amazing thing about ARC is when you invest in ARC, as they start these new churches, the, the premise that they have is they basically pay it forward. They never pay the money back. 
They invest $30,000 into help a new church start. And then that church turns around and gives money to new church plants as that church grows. And so when we invest into ARC, our $250 is turning into $2,500 to $25,000 to $200,000 going out across the world for missions, for serving to, to bless the world because we're seeing a massive return on that type of investment. I love, I love ARC. I love that we get to be a part of it. I love that we get to, to sow into that ministry. A couple weeks ago, you met our dear friends. We actually had dinner last night with Jason and Summer Wright again, and uh, they were in town, and we got to hang out with them, and, and you got to meet these missionaries who are going to Chile. City Church supports them $200 a month. We give $200 a month to, to help set up their trip to Chile, to get them into that country, to begin to work against the, the sex trafficking, to begin to work with church planting. Once again, something that's very dear to our heart, to plant new churches. We love that. Um, you guys gave an offering, uh, both on Sunday morning and then Wednesday night we did offerings for Jason and Summer. Just on the spot, spontaneous, with no warning, you guys gave over $700 to help advance that cause. Not only that, you guys pledged over $200 a month uh, to sponsor them, to support them. Our church is being generous, man. We're beginning to invest. We're beginning to refresh others. Uh, we've got other avenues of generosity. We've got other missionaries that we support, other things that we're doing. That's not even counting the things that we're doing in Mission OB. Are we as generous as we need to be? Probably not. I think God's called us to a greater place of generosity. I think there's more that we need to do in our community. There's more that we need to do in our world. But I'm telling you, we've come a long way. And God's going to take us further. And God's calling us to a better place. So I just want to say thank you guys for your generosity. Because none of that stuff happens if, you, if we don't give. Man, none of that stuff is able to, to be carried out. There's a church plant that isn't receiving that money if you guys, if all of a sudden we just all decide, hey, we're not going to give this month. And you guys are financing those things apart from what's happening on in this house. And man, I love what's happening in this house. Man, there's people coming to Jesus, man. There's people who are being discipled. There's a difference being made right here. It's amazing what God's doing at City Church right now. But even apart from that, what God's using us to do outside of our walls is incredible. God's called us to be rich and generosity. Um, just with this week, uh, one of you shared with Melody and I how you started sponsoring a child through Compassion International after we talked about it a few weeks ago, and you just realized how rich you were and how blessed you are and said, you know what, I need to start doing a little bit more. And so there's a kid now. In, uh, somewhere in South America, I want to say Bolivia, if I remember correct, but there's a kid out there in South America, a little girl, who's receiving food, health care, and Jesus, the gospel, because one person in City Church said, you know what, I'm going to cut out 35, 40 bucks out of my monthly budget and sacrifice so this kid can be blessed. You know what I think? I think that person's going to be blessed massively as she sows into that little girl. I think there's going to be an incredible blessing that comes. Because you know what happens? When we, re when we refresh others, we ourselves are refreshed. The generous will always prosper. That's the, the call and the promise of God. So God's called us to be rich in good deeds. He's called us to be rich in generosity. And number three, if you want to be rich towards God, this one might be a little bit, require a little bit more thought, but I think you're going to follow me with this. This is number three. God wants you to be rich in relationships. I want you to be rich in relationships. Some of you say, well, how is relationships with others being rich towards God? Well, the best way I can illustrate it is this. Uh, the past month or so, six weeks anyway, my wife has had two baby showers and been just blown away by the response. And people have just loved on her and been generous. And we've been given so much. 
so much. Uh, we've got about six weeks left until baby Saturn gets here. It's starting to get scary. Starting to get real. Uh, went to the baby class yesterday, the birthing class yesterday. Starting to get real. Starting to learn how to breathe. <laughs> right? It's coming down. Baby about to be here. Uh, but so she's had these two baby showers, and you, people have just loved on her and blessed her. And, and it's all for her. You know, her name's on the baby shower. It's Melody, on the name on the gift, on the card, etc. But you know how blessed I am when that happens? And not just because that means I don't have to go buy a crib. <laughs> but I'm blessed because my wife's being loved on. You know what that means to me? When I see somebody else treasure my wife, when I see somebody else prioritize my wife, when I see somebody else love and be generous towards my wife, that means everything to me. That's my girl. That's my bride. That's my baby. And you know what? Jesus has a bride too. And Jesus' bride is you. It's me. It's the body of Christ. And I believe that when we are rich in relationship towards another, one another, when we prioritize each other, when we make time in our calendar to prioritize the people of God, I believe that Jesus is blessed. Those of you who are parents, you know there's no greater blessing to you than for somebody to, to go out of their way to love your kid, to bless your kid, to do something awesome for your kid. Well, God's got kids too. It's us. And I believe the Father is blessed when he sees his children be blessed when he sees us prioritize each other and need each other and love each other. John chapter 13, 34 and 35, Jesus puts it this way. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. Not tolerate each other. Not put on a fake smile on Sunday morning when you have to do the meet and greet and you get mad that the pastor makes you shake somebody's hand every Sunday morning. Love each other. It's a very, very strong command. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So it's like, okay, how much, Jesus? Well, he says, the same way I love you. How much does Jesus love us? He laid down his life for us. It's a pretty intense love. This is not a superficial love. This is not fake. Verse 35, it says, by this. Everybody say, by this. By this. By what? By the way that you love each other, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. The evidence of your discipleship is not how many verses you can quote. The evidence of your discipleship is not uh, how many church phrases you know or how, many, how much Christianese you can speak. The evidence of your discipleship is not how many Christian friends you have. The evidence of your discipleship is not how many Christian t-shirts you wear or how many Christian movies you go to or how many verses you post on Facebook. I'm not hating on any of those things, but I'm just saying that's not the evidence. The evidence of your discipleship is how much do you love God's people? Whoa. That's like mind-blowing, right? We are called to be rich in relationships, to not just kind of nod at each other, not kind of do the what's up and go on with life, right? But to get in each other's life, to know each other, to love each other, to to Put our blood, sweat, and tears on the line for each other. And God's called us to that place. The heartbeat of City Church doesn't happen on this stage. It doesn't happen in the seat that you're sitting in or the seat next to you. The heartbeat of City Church, the reason that this church exists is so that, man, God's people can come together. And iron sharpen iron and reach a community together for the glory of God as we love each other. And so it happens in living rooms. It happens over cups of coffee. It happens in places all throughout the county when you guys get together, outside of coming together in this place. When God's people love each other, when you bless each other, when you look out for each other, when you're generous to each other, when you help each other. That's 
what this thing is all about. That's what we're striving for. That's the place that we want to go. A year ago, about this time, we wrapped up a great experiment. We had been through different iterations of this thing called small groups before at City Church. And we tried small groups and pushed it really hard, and then they kind of died. And then pushed it really hard, and then they kind of died. And then we tried, like, I don't know, probably three or four different small group launches. And when we took over the church, we said, okay, we're just killing small groups. We're not doing small groups because we can't do them well. We can't do them right. I don't know why, but they are just not working at City Church. And so we killed them. And last summer, we decided, okay, we're going to try an experiment. We got a new idea. We've had some new blood come in. God sent us Dwindle. And Dwindle had some experience in doing small groups and doing them right. So let's, let's experiment. So we put together an experimental small group. We had about 16 people that met in a home for about six weeks last summer. And it was a smash hit. It was huge. We started doing life together and praying with each other and interceding for each other and, and sharpening each other and said, okay, there's some potential here. We, we see how this maybe could work. So last fall, we launched full-scale open small groups. We launched three, and we decided to call them city groups. And so, all right, we launched these three city groups, and they were a hit. They were a success. People loved them. People connected. They got deep into them. This is the spring. We upped it to four city groups. We went to four. We took a shot. Man, massive success. Once again, they were, they were smashed. Everybody that participated, everybody that came just got so much out of our city groups. And so we're starting to see, okay, our people have a desire for this. And so we made, when, when I, my, in my opinion, a mistake. We didn't do city groups over the summer. So how did we take it off, give everybody a break? I'm just going to repent to you. That was my bad. I blew it on that. Swung and missed. That was a mistake. We're not taking them off next summer. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Now, we might dance guys a little bit. We might go from four to two or something. But we need to have a system for community all year long. We need an opportunity for people to come in and connect and love each other and be there for each other throughout the calendar year. And so we're going we're gonna to make sure and do that. So be ready for that. But next week, August 17th, we're going to be announcing to you our, our next lineup of city groups. They're going to be starting up in September. And I know it's another night. I know you're busy. I know you got stuff going on. But can I just say this? You prioritize what's important to you. And God's people should be important. You need God-given community. I need God-given community. We need to make this a priority. And so last year, uh, last semester, we had about 35 people involved uh, on an average week in city groups. Uh, average attendance was right around 35 out of a church of around 75, 80 in attendance. So a little bit under half. I think we can do better. I think we can do better. I think God wants us to do better. I think we have to do better. I think we need community. I think you need brothers and sisters that are going to be there for you. I know that we're almost out of time today, and I don't want to hold you up, but I'm just going to tell you just a little bit about our city group last semester, just because it's what I know and what I saw. And in our little bitty city group, and we had the smallest city group, Go Pastor Troy, right? Okay, we had, we had the smallest city group, I think, in the history of city groups. We had weeks where we literally had four people, uh, Melody and myself, and we're looking across at Mark and Misty and... Uh, Let's do this. Uh, and so there were, there were some rough weeks, man, numbers-wise. But even in the midst where we might have four or we might have six, uh, we would just be blown away week after week by what God did in that group. I mean, shocked by it. First of all, we laughed a lot, okay? Uh, if you've never sat in a living room with Donna Fulp, you are missing out, okay? You're just, I'm just saying, you don't know what you're missing. Whatever group Donna goes to, just go to that group, all right? That's like... Just everybody in that group, it'll pay off, I promise, no. Uh, 
But uh, if you've never done that, you're seriously missing out. But we would laugh so much, and I discovered that Mark's got a hilarious sense of humor, and I just thought Mark was kind of Mark. Uh, but, 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 he's, but he's great, and he made us laugh time after time after time, and, and we just had so much fun. But in the midst of that, here are just the life situations. In our group, which averaged about six to seven people on a given week, here's what we had. We had a family go through a miscarriage. We had two men who had major job situations and needed a job like a drop of a hat, and the city group was able to help them step up and find a job. We had a woman who was in a position, and she was in her job going through some massive, intense persecution. And we gathered around her, and we prayed for her, and God opened the door for her to find another better position somewhere else. And she got out of that place of persecution. We had a man who had recently come back to God who just poured out his heart about what a difference this church and this city group had made in his life and how he was growing week after week and how God was just blowing his mind with all the stuff that he was showing him. And I could go story after story. I got like four more in my notes, but I don't have time to hit them. Man, in in our little bitty group, and every week, Melody and myself would look at each other afterwards and we'd be like, how does this keep happening? How does God keep showing up in such a small group of people? Because, man, if you'd have told us when we started it there was going to be five people there, we'd have been like, we'll go to Dwindle's group. And yet we discovered that Mercedes, with the amen, she hosted Dwindle's group. Uh, But we discovered, man, the power of community. We discovered, man, that we needed each other. And we were going through stuff. And there was challenges and there were things in our lives, but that we made each other better and that we linked up and we prayed for each other and we interceded for each other. We actually saw God answer our prayers. How cool is that? You ever had God answer your prayer? Man, if you haven't, you're missing out. Start praying with some faith and expecting God to do something because he will. And man, it, it was just amazing to come together week after week with this small group of people and say, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it to clean up our house. It's worth it to open this place up. It's worth it to put in some time and prepare a a little lesson to discuss with some people and have some discussion questions as we dive into the word of God. And I know you got stuff. Trust me, I know. I'm busy. I'm about to have a baby. I'm about to be extra busy. I understand. But God's people are worth it. And even if over the next 13 weeks of this semester, even if you don't have a job situation, even if you don't have a death in your family, even if you don't have a tragedy that you go through, there's going to be somebody in that group who needs your stability, who needs your love, who needs your wisdom, who needs this great situation that you're in to speak encouragement into theirs. But you don't know what's going to happen the next 13 weeks. And I hope and I pray for you that when tragedy strikes you, When the challenge strikes, when the enemy comes in and attacks your finances, when he attacks your marriage, when he attacks your family, my hope and my prayer for you is you don't have to say, oh, no, I need to go find somebody who can help. My hope and prayer for you is that you already have a community that you've surrounded yourself with, that you have intertwined and locked arms with, that you know exactly where to go. And that's the power of a city group. That you don't have to look around and say, what am I going to do? You know exactly what to do. I need to call my city group. I need to let them know what's going on. They're going to pray for me. They're going to help me. They're going to know what to do. And that's the power of community. And that's what God has called us to. And that's why I believe that God wants us to be rich in relationships. And not just rich in generosity. And not just rich in good deeds. But to be rich in relationship to each other. Because God loves his church. And we need to be rich towards 
God, and I've still got more here, but I'm just going to skip to the end because it's time to go. We're going to be rich towards God because, and go ahead and put this last slide on the screen for me, and I want you guys to say it with me one last time. This is our last time we're going to say this. Hopefully, you will get it burned into your heart, and we're going to say it as a we, as a sign of unity because we're doing this together. God has blessed us with more than we need. We're rich. We will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Because we have more, we will give more and do more and love each other more. Do you believe that? Are you ready for that? Amen. We're going to be rich towards God. We're going to be rich the right way. Amen. Let's pray.